0: Tuning into Power Athlete Radio to be a fly on the wall with two of the biggest names in the strength and conditioning game. This week on Power Athlete Radio, we bring you exactly that—an impromptu conversation between John Welborn, Zach Evanesh, and Jim Steele set in philly this trip was not a rocky homage or your classic well-born cheesesteak hazing tex and john were all business all weekend as they put on a sports specific application seminar and met with zach and jim to tour the upenn training facility when the guys sat down to shoot the shit an opportunity to capture even a fraction of the knowledge was seized however it's disorganized as fuck That's why I'll be introducing the segments as we go in an attempt to live up to the self-proclaimed title, the world's premier podcast in strength and conditioning. This is episode
1: 180.
0: Oh, hey, it's me again. Time to kick off the episode with food and Philly. What better way to open the discussion with three very large coaches and one hungry hobbit? Sorry, Tex. Then we learn that John is still recognized, not for his NFL career, but for being in Every Second Counts. Did you know Zach and John have more in common than just their Zodiac sign? So many degrees of Bill Belichick so, coming like, up. As far as we're
2: driving over here, I'm like driving by. We took, I saw geez, you pointing. Yeah, you see so, how we made like a weird detour. Yeah. I was like, dude, I
1: used to live there. I saw you pointing <laughs> in Texas. Well, the yeah. light was green and
2: I didn't <clears throat> hang. Yeah. hang so it, it's mentioned that we're sitting here and uh, stoked to come back to Philly and we had a pretty good seminar today, man. We had a like 30 people that uh, we basically fried their minds with basic and yeah. conditioning did you get a chance of getting good food uh, you yeah. you posted a picture of a steak place wasn't it uh, we Bar- went, yeah we went to barbecue. a barbecue place uh, uh, uh-huh. I know. uh which is down in Fishtown which is ironic because when I lived here that was like the ghetto uh-huh. and now all of a sudden it's like this gentrification right. and like and so well like, just like
3: Schuylkill is now too yeah
2: so now that like uh, that we got recommend this barbecue place we went in and um, I took a picture of the no uh, mm-hmm. steroids and the hormones just as more of a joke but um, I was like, "Do you have anything with steroids and hormones? Do you don't have any of that?" So we went there, and uh, it was pretty good. Yeah, I, I took text, went to the Continental, and I was—I've been meaning to take him and hit. Some, I uh, ate Jesus. there. I ate there with K Star. Well, K Star called me. I was like, "Where should I go?" I'm like, "Where are you?" So I sent to the Continental. I remember. And, uh, what's the I never, it was legendary. So the Continental is right on Market and a Second. Uh huh. It's like a little boutique place. It kind of looks like a diner. Uh-huh. They serve steaks and stuff. And okay, they have this, this drink that they made a, a martini. Uh, with Tang and they called it a Buzz Aldrin and uh, when I when I lived out here we used to go get them and it was just Tang and vodka and I, I was like oh let's get those it had Midori and a bunch of shit I was like this thing sucks either that or I don't, don't know any better <laughs> were you able to
3: go out when you played for the Eagles oh
2: yeah where people interrupt you all the
3: time when you're eating uh, Or did...
1: funny you ask actually um, <laughs> we got stopped this morning at breakfast by a woman and she's like uh, you look this guy in this CrossFit documentary I just watched no
2: she said she goes I just watched this." she goes you look just like this guy that's in this documentary I watched on Netflix.
3: Oh, the CrossFit Games
2: one. Yeah, you are in that. Yeah, the every second counts. Yeah, I yeah, started
3: it. Yeah, I was one of the, yeah, one of the, the stars. Games. But there's, there's another, there's one. There's there's another a... one.
2: Well, there's oh, a... maybe I just saw the, the
3: Rich Froning one. Well, the uh, Rich Froning. Well, there's another uh, one a... on Netflix, which is like I saw the games where they every... the, the games the CrossFit games. Yeah. So in 2008, it was a, a documentary made... about the games. <clears throat> yeah, they
2: made one called "Every Second Counts." I was in. And so I was. At the time, I was living in Newport Beach. Um, I had to drive like 45 minutes to Carson to go train an athlete's performance. It was the only like gym in the area. And I got so fucking burned out of driving to Carson, which is like up to 405, which is like the equivalent of like, a, it could be anywhere from 20 minute drive to a three hour drive.
3: Oh, man.
2: And so I just got burned out. And so I started training at this CrossFit gym. And all of a sudden, I'm like getting ready to go to training camp, everything's all gearing up. And uh, this guy's like, hey, uh, do you want to do this thing called the CrossFit Games? I was like, what the fuck's that? He's like, it's a bunch of workouts you go do. And I was like, yeah, fuck it. Let's do it. <laughs> and we like, where is it? He's like, oh, it's up in Northern California. And I was like, well, who am I competing against? Like, oh, it's CrossFit. I was like, fuck, I going to win this thing. I hadn't done any CrossFit. I didn't even really know. I, I, I just been living at this gym. Right. So I show up and like, it's like, I got like a, a, you know, 800 meter fucking trail run through the mountains with these 135 pound little CrossFit dudes. Right. And I'm like a week away from training camp. I'm like, are you camp? a plan? Yeah. So so I'm, like, 312 pounds, ready to go, and I'm fucking competing in, like, these games, you know? I went pro
3: football players today, would even try it.
2: Well, this is my ego, where I'm like, yeah. fuck it, I'll show up and win this thing. Yeah. And they wanted to make it, and the guy was like, hey, we'll make a documentary. I'm like, fuck it, come film, I don't give a shit. How'd you do? Uh, out of, like, 200, I came in the 80s, I think. But you won the, I uh, the biggest dude. out there uh, kind of The next biggest dude was like two hundred and two pounds. Wow, he thought and he was, I Jack. was. He
3: thought he was jacked. And I was three hundred like eight or
2: three hundred and ten. Uh, and then I come home, and then six days later, I leave and go play for the uh, New York or uh, uh, New England Patriots.
1: You play for the Patriots? too? Yeah. Oh know. man, do you want to know a who's I mean. the Bill Belichick's for the Patriots? Right? Yeah. yeah. Did I tell you? Check out this funny story. Back when I used to have a phone at the gym, Bill Belichick calls the gym. Swear to you. Swear to you. So his son. number? No. I was going to say that. Check this out. I think his son was playing uh, lacrosse at Rutgers, and then maybe senior year was the kicker. So he calls, leaves a voicemail. I never left the phone on. I would never answer the phone. I would just check voicemails, call back. So he says, uh, yeah, like with that grumpy voice, uh, Bill Belichick and, you know, uh, my son's in the area and I want to get him some training. And I'm like, it's a joke. This has to be a joke. And I'm like, his son is in the area and I'm trying to put two and two together. And I'm like, but they've got strength coaches. And then whatever he says, also I remember is he goes, call me back. He doesn't leave a number or nothing. He goes, call me back. So um, I uh, contacted, I think, man, somebody on their website. For the Patriots in charge of like the in charge of some of the marketing or the relations or something and they go, if Mr. Belichick wants to get a hold of you, he'll call you. That's what they said. I was like, damn, he said call him back. They're like, he'll call you. <laughs> huh.
2: Uh yeah, he uh Yeah. I mean, that's Bill Belichick. Yeah. Um I I, I kinda dug him because he was so uh Straight shooter, right? Yeah. Serious. Like I mean, he'd walk by and never say hello to you. I mean I didn't really expect him to say hello. Like other people were butthurt by him. but <clears throat> I'm like Everybody's yeah. very sensitive. Yeah. Uh, nice. That organization, no. Like people know that, like Bill Belichick he is probably not even going to look at you, and if he has to look at you, it's probably he's probably going to say, "But then play it again, it. you're going to win, so who cares?" Yeah, and you, then, know, you know what? I was there. It. I was so excited to be there. I'm like, "Fuck, I hope we win." Was that the last team you played for? Yeah, and then oh, I got okay. hurt. I got hurt in the last preseason game, oh. and then uh, so I fucked up my knee, and um, I had not played in an NFL season where I hadn't started. I'd started my entire NFL career, right. and I never, you know, been cut and the whole deal so all of a sudden I, you know, I'm going in I get fucking hurt in the last preseason game and I'm like my knee's fucked up and I should have gone in and said something because they probably would have just injury settlement out but I just didn't say anything I figured like fuck it I'll make the team and then I'll practice and then I'll say something after the first game yeah. and then we'll fucking deal with it because then I'm bested and I get my right. money so they call me with like one minute left before the cut at like 3.59 they're like uh, we gotta call you into the office uh, Coach <coughs> talk to you I'm like fuck me so I go in there and he's like hey John um i gotta cut you today but i'm gonna re-sign you tomorrow we gotta to make a roster post i need you to hang out for a day i was like okay no problem mm-hmm. so i get cut all of a sudden all these teams call mm-hmm. and when they didn't when i didn't go sign with the team they they either you know figured something was up because when i came back in they're like we need to put you through a physical ah. the doctor put me through he was like your knees. Fine. he's like dude what's wrong with your knee i'm like I don't know dude he's like I think you chipped off a piece of bone actually I did chip off a piece of bone I got stuck in the joint and my oh knee, how would that feel oh was fucking painful oh, oh. I, I, I lied like it, 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 it would lock up it, on it, you it would bend oh. and then all of a sudden I go and I would feel it pop out my knee would bend and uh <laughs> and, then, made a good face and, and then the guy goes he goes why didn't you say something I'm like dude I have never been fucking cut I've started my whole NFL career I didn't think you guys were going to fucking get me like this the guy's like dude if you had said something we, I was like fuck I was like I was just going to gut it out. And the guy's like, dude, yeah, yeah. I'm like, he's like, <sighs> I'm like, all right, fuck it,
0: about. Next up, John responds to Jim Steele's questions about the best opponent he's ever come up against. Things get a little weird when Wellborn spills a secret about how he went full serial killer, tearing out the picture of his opponent from a game program and pasting it to his bathroom mirror. Have a listen.
3: Who's the best guy you ever played against?
2: Oh, uh, right? Oh, uh, fuck him! He's a bad <laughs> piece of shit. Whoa, he is. He, he sucked. He's in the Hall of Fame. Uh, let me tell you, dude. Uh, uh, fuck, All right, uh, whatever. Who's the best guy? You're fucking Hall of Jokers. Um, the Hall of Fame is a lot of publicity, and dudes go out and they uh, campaign and for this. Decided shit. by the press too. Yeah, and so they they go out and I I watch guys uh go out and they would publicize themselves. They go out there and they you know see the guys before the. Oh yeah, man, yeah. I'm having the best. Best, you know, uh, you know, best year of my career, and I'm like, "No, you're not. You fucking suck." He's like, "Well, if I tell enough people, that they'll believe me." Right, right. And I watch like people premiere strength conditioning podcast. It's it's the big lie. Um, <laughs> it's the big lie. So, uh, I played against shit that the best the NFL had, and surprisingly, the one guy that, is, that that I remember As being the most difficult. The one guy that I literally geared up for. Uh, most people don't even know it was a guy named Keith Hamilton. I think I remember he, his story. He played yeah, I played D tackle for the Giants. And so they called him the Hammer. He's like a farm boy. No, he's a big it? black dude who's fucking ghetto as fuck. And uh, he had like <laughs> he had all of uh, his kids.
1: The premier uh, unfiltered strengthening initiative podcast. He, I mean,
2: dude, he, he he was a scary dude. <clears throat> he had all of his like kids, like baby pictures, all tattooed on his arms and shit. And he had a gang of kids, and like he was a mean fucking dude. Literally a gang of kids. <laughs> I mean, literally a gang of kids. He had a bunch of kids. Like he had like six faces, and I was like, you got all about six kids. But, so his move, he was big dude, he was like 6'5", 6'6", like 290 pounds, he would just stand straight up and give you his chest, and like dudes would sit back and punch him with everything, and he would just take it. Once the hands got on him, he would do this thing called the forklift, where he would grab you by the wrists and just lift you off, and fucking throw dudes, and then he'd suck the quarterback. And he played with like, you know, hand and when all like, yeah. the, the Giants teams were really good. So, you know everybody knows hand and, and right, Pepper right. Johnson, and all these dudes, mm-hmm. so... Uh, when I came in, I started at right tackle, and then I got hurt and I missed my first year. And I got a chance to watch the guy who was drafted the round ahead of me, same year, the guy named Doug Brzezinski mm-hmm. from Boston College. Doug played guard, and I watched uh, Keith Hamilton, aka the Hammer, like was Doug's nightmare. He literally like took his hands, lifted him off, put him over his head, and like threw him back as he sacked the quarterback. Mm-hmm so the next year I come in I beat Doug out and I go start. and I'm watching this dude on film and I'm like holy fuck dude this dude's killing people
3: how do people not know about yeah, this guy how yeah. is they say guy? like Daryl Grant with the Redskins back when they had Manly yeah. Daryl Grant was so good and nobody yeah. and like nobody knew about said, this dude how come nobody knew him because
2: <laughs> of so the big
3: name guys that's straight well, yeah, the publicity that's handled. what I'm, but, I'm that's what, what I'm wondering, wondering, like yeah.
2: you gotta market There's certain thing about the NFL is you can be really good but if you're like if you fuck dudes up too bad People won't vote for you for the Hall of Fame. They won't vote uh, for you in the Pro Bowl. And this dude was—he uh, he fucking was a badass. No. And he fucked dudes up. And you know, NFL dude, dudes are little bitches. You know, if, if you make somebody look bad, they're gonna be like, "Fuck you!" I'm not voting for you. That shit happened to me. How was I know? I was the number two rated guard on national. For a couple of years, and I didn't make the Pro Bowl. And dudes that were less players would be made over the Pro Bowl, and I uh, being like, the fuck? And they're like, they're never going to vote for you. You go out there and fucking hurt people. because like you're nasty. Yeah, you're nasty. You know, and they're, this is their way of fucking you over after the fact. Mm. So I go play against Keith Hamilton and I remember being like, I'm going to knock this motherfucker out. So I, I, I uh, <laughs> when I grew up, I had dreams of being a, a fighter and a boxer and, like, open thought So, like, this was my opportunity. And, like, I took the Tyson approach where I was going to just fucking hurt people early and try to get them to quit. And for 99% of my career, it worked except for this dude. And I would literally give him everything I had. I, I could headshots fucking split, try to split his head open, punch him as hard as I could. And the dude was like the Terminator. He just never fucking stopped. Damn. And so he would grab my hands and try to get him off. But, like, I was pretty good on the hand. You replace. Mm-hmm. To the point where we actually, in the off season, developed a drill called the hammer where dudes would do this and we would grab their hands. And guys had to replace and mm-hmm. do all this crazy mm-hmm. shit. I remember one time he grabbed my hand and I went to rip it off. He was holding on to it. He was fucking doing was he a wrestler? This. I wonder if he was a wrestler. He, was oh. a was just, yeah. no, he was just a fucking monster. Um, so I knew uh, the first time I played against him, and I, I never told anybody this, But uh, I was, we had like a gnarly fight. And I remember sitting there, I was so fucking mad after the game. I tore his picture out of the fucking program. And I put it in my wallet. Yeah. And it was like straight up like Rocky yeah, like yeah, Rago style. I took it, <laughs> I took it, and that's I fucking great. put it on my mirror with a like a like a piece of like chewing gum kind of like sticky yep. stuff. Mm. I stuck it on there. And literally that fucking dude, every morning I got up, I was in there brushing my teeth. I'm like, today's the day, and that's when I got up every morning to train. Uh, and this. I remember like my uh, people would come in or they were in there and they'd be like, Why is there like a small picture of a black <laughs> in your uh, in, in your deal? And I'm like keith hamilton i'm gonna fucking get him this year i was and, and every year i would go play against him and finally after like three years of playing against him he like after the game was like always fucking pissed off i remember finally he was like you're like the only motherfucker that ever brings it. yeah he was wow like, and i remember oh, we had this like weird like, yeah. like respect going and i remember even like years later people were like uh you know, fucking Hammer, you're actually the only dude that Hammer ever said would fucking respect. Back business. Get you earned his back
1: But that was going to be my kind of follow-up question, like, post-game. Like, like, clearly that first time you took it away from the game and it was motivation for the season, but was there ever a game... When you actually like kind of shook hands and did the old um, yeah respect
3: that's
2: years late like after we played over over the course of the years I mean, was he making a lot of tackles a lot of hits or was, was no, it no just... but but the problem was is he would push the pocket so yeah. hard See, don't, they don't understand that, the quarterback feels all yes. that and, and then Strahan would fucking come right. around and make these big plays right. and all these other guys but um he was uh dude the guy was a beast and wow. I and I knew that of the sixteen games we were gonna play. There was going to be two games in that year where I knew that there was a dude that was never going to quit wow. because my whole deal was I was going to go early, suicide pace, try to hurt dudes early, yeah. and then get them to quit. And a lot of times guys did, but I knew there was two games that I was probably going to fuck myself up playing. And I was like, I-. and so Keith Hamilton, and um, I mean shit, I uh, one of my favorite stories was uh, I, uh, you guys are obviously familiar with Bruce Smith, sure, yeah. So we're playing. Uh, the Redskins down the very last game of the season in, uh, in Washington. Mm. And we run this, like, fourth quarter. We run this little kind of, like, rollout deal. Quarterback comes out, and I go peel back mm. this way. And all of a sudden, I see Bruce Smith, you know, big, long fucking stride like he's chasing. And I fucking peel back and fucking give him everything I have. Like, literally, helmet to helmet. And, of course, Donovan fucking throws it in the ground like he fucking <laughs> dead ducks it all the time. <laughs> just dead ducks it, and uh i mean dude it, it would happen all the time yeah, dudes oh wide that was a big open. thing i Philly. yeah it was wide open he just throw it at his feet and i'm like are you fucking kidding me there's nobody around uh so i hit bruce and i like fucked myself up on it like i like got up and was like oh fuck that hurt yeah. and i look over and bruce is just laying face down on the ground yeah and i get up because it's you know third down it could be fourth they're moving teams off and i'm jogging off and i'm kind of like jogging backwards Bruce is still laying there. He's not up. No way. And the play is like, in, you know, kind of in front. And every then all of a sudden, like, he kind of like pushes himself up. And I'm sitting there. And I'm on the sideline. I'm like, he's still not up. The remnant was there. the remnant like, well, he's not up. He pushes himself up. And the play's going here. He just starts walking this way. And he walks to the sideline. <coughs> takes his helmet off. Walks through the tunnel. And mind you, we still have like four, five, six, seven, eight minutes after the he's game. He's done. Walks he told in, in, into the tunnel and walks out games over I'm looking for him because we were always I mean Bruce Smith Yeah. I mean yeah. Fuck, I, like I remember playing against Ted Johnson and Bruce I remember in Buffalo like I was like my brother was a Buffalo fan so this was always a big deal for me to play against Bruce and I remember him I mean did he he made yeah. so many people look oh stupid. Yeah. yeah. I mean and, and that weird one we used to call The Matrix where he would like jump inside and dudes couldn't get him so he walks off and uh, I'm like where the fuck did Bruce go <coughs> never seen him right after the game we're right after after the buses don't see him nothing everybody's up so all of a sudden the uh season ends uh, you know we go to the playoffs the whole deal i'm at the super bowl and all of a sudden i'm at the bar ordering a drink and i look over and i can see this dude staring at me <laughs> it's fucking christmas and he like points at me and it's like "I got my eyes on you." right yeah and i'm like and all of a sudden i see him I'm fucking walking around the bar. You're getting ready. Right? And I'm thinking, like, oh, fuck, dude, this going to go down. <laughs> right? Like, Bruce Smith's going to come get me. He looks over, and he's like, what are you drinking? I was like, oh, I think tequila and so whatever. He's like, two. And, like, yeah, we, we, like, took a drink, and I'm like, so far, what the fuck is going to happen, right? So he finished the drink, and he goes, um, you know, he played, what, 19, 20 years, whatever it was. Yeah, he something else. Yeah, he's like, I played... You know, 20 years in the NFL I fucking beat the best all pro you know fucking went to steal this you know go. It's giving me this whole thing and I'm like yeah you're fucking Bruce Smith It is like the last play of my NFL career you knocked me unconscious oh shit Because you fucking knocked me out he goes I was out And, and that I was this? hit me the hardest thing and he goes I literally woke up and all I could hear was it's time to go he walked out went in the locker room took his shit off put on his clothes retired got in his car and drove home and went never back to the, or never went back to the stadium wow and that was it and that was the last time he ever played football and he's like the end of my fucking career <clears throat> You fucking knocked me out and he goes that's exactly the time i knew it was time to go uh, he it. i and, feel and, like and uh, we, we sat there and had drinks Wow! and i was like at hey, your hall of fame speech can you just invite me to go up <laughs> can you mention can you just, that play <laughs> I, I, I was like can you just mention it can you just fucking like i'll sit out there and you just can throw something out and be like to my boy John like something and of course he was like he said he would but I yeah, never got a call I never got an invite and there was yeah, never yeah. anything Athletes, but I remember they'll remember sitting there and being like probably the best defense alignment I think to ever play with Bruce's. I mean he's gotta be in the conversation the best time to play the game and oh, pass last play, yeah <laughs> hands down one of the best pass rushers and last and I knocked him out so I was like alright and he's like and he, he was always complimentary he's like you fucking play the game hard dudes do respect you and I was always good with that. I mean, I need all have the, the yeah, yeah. I didn't need the pro balls and all the other hand jobs. The right. fact that people
1: respected me enough
2: to say Andrews. that, that was good. Yeah,
1: yeah. They remember there. I, I always tell kids when I work with the young guys, right? I go, I go everything counts. I go, because you'll be 70 and you're going to remember your last game, your last yeah. match. You're going to remember that shit. It's... Uh, Hearing you say that, hearing you say that, John, like that guy's going to be like, I, I went out, I went out, I'm I went out on, unconscious. I, I went, went all out. Yeah, yeah.
0: In this segment, Zach wants to know from Jim's perspective, what makes a great youth athlete? What is that X factor that is so difficult to define, but determines an athlete's success and longevity in sport? Translating that into success as an adult, never accepting complacency should be the goal of every coach.
1: What do you think? What do you guys think, Jim? With you being at the at the college level, Jim, how long have you been here? February 70? of nineteen ninety nine.
3: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I started coaching in eighty
1: nine. I studied for this. I went back and listened to Jim's uh, podcast with you guys, so I remember. <laughs> so, Jim, this I'll ask both you guys. With you being here for seventeen years, about, and then John, with you being from college to NFL, I'm always trying to figure out like. What makes the athletes that are great, not so much, you know, the genetic greatness or like whatever they're gifted with, but I'm looking for, there's certain kids, let's say we're working out, I'm the coach, it's you three guys, I'm always like, come on, text, come on, text, come on, text. I've always got to push you, your mom's always got to make you breakfast, your dad's always got to do everything, you know, but then John, you're always like, I don't have to say anything to you, you're a grinder, yeah. and then Jim, you're, you know what I mean, like there's all these different uh-huh. mindsets, yeah. What have you found is kind of like these key factors and you're like, that guy's going to go far. That girl's going to go far in sport. I'm trying to dial that shit in because I feel when I look at training, I look almost more at how the training affects their their psychology than the science behind it.
3: I always always thought that people had to have some kind of hardship coming up in order to develop that. But then I got... Lacrosse kids here, right? Who haven't had a lot of hardship as far as money and things like that, and they have a heart. The big of Texas, yeah. I, I, it's very tough to figure out. Yep. Um, I I still think you either have it inside you or you don't, and a great coach can get the fire come out a little bit. Some kids just need to be told you can be something else. Yeah, you can be something, and you have a lot <laughs> of potential, and you you know you work really hard. But I think if they don't have it in them. It's pretty tough.
1: I do you know, believe I, they got go the to go by, the time, yeah, to by the time they get to college. Yeah, by the time they get to
3: college. You have coaches, and, and, and I'm not necessarily saying here where they say, "Oh, we got to make them tough." Man, they're 1920. I don't know if you can make them tough, you know. And my dad's sports psychology, like, he taught sports psychology at the University of Maryland for 40 years, and I ask him all the time, he's like, "Ah, I don't know by that age if you can make them tough, you know, or you can make them dedicated, or you know, it's
1: you can bring it out." I feel like I got tougher in my late teens, early 20s. Yeah, you
3: probably I, had it in you. You just yeah. needed some challenges. You probably needed someone to say or, or somebody as good as you to go against I to or get, better than you that you had to reach for.
1: And get pissed off. Right. You got to get pissed oh, off. Like, uh, you got that old um, pissed off for greatness. My deal is I didn't like to lose. Yeah. Yeah, you hate like, Yeah, you were very it. competitive. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's... Uh,
2: but, I you know, I grew up with two older brothers and I, like, I, I just... I, I think I fucking got my ass beaten and I lost so much yeah. that it was uh, upsetting to me to lose. Mm-hmm. And I, but what's crazy is I don't like to lose. I mean, it, even in, in college, like uh, I looked at like writing papers and grades and whatever. And I always like, what'd you get? Just fucking beat me. And like, people are like, why, why are you pissed mm-hmm. off? I got a better grade. I'm like, well, you fucking beat me. And they're like, well, we're not competing. I'm like, yeah. fuck, I don't give a fuck. We're playing checkers. Like, I, I don't want to lose in anything, and I didn't like losing in grades, and I was always like, well, you're an athlete. And I'm like, that doesn't make any I obscure. didn't have
1: that in my uh, younger years.
2: Yeah. I, I just didn't like to lose. <laughs> and then also, um, so when I got to the NFL, and I, I think I enjoyed playing the NFL more than college. Um, when I played in college, uh, I thought they would always played me out of position because I always played tackle. And when I finally got to the NFL and I played tackle, I'm like, "Fuck, I hate playing tackle. Let me play inside where it's like a faster game." Mm-hmm. They let me play guard, and instantly I flourished. And then, of course, I go to the Chiefs and what they need me to do? Fucking play tackle. And I'm like, "Dude, for my entire career, I played out of the, uh, most of my career, I played out of position." And they were like, "Well, you can do it." I'm like, "Yeah, but it's not I like to do. I like to like put the dude in front of me." and are in your face. face. Yeah, like <laughs> it, it happens fast. Like this <laughs> whole fuck. Like I, I don't want a patient. I want to start the fight early. Right, right. And um, I really liked the fact that um, I could train in the weight room and I could see the progress I've made in here Mm. and directly see the correlation on the field, which is what was addicted to me. Like, so wait a minute, if I squat heavier, if I lift, if I train, if I do more, I get better on the field. And I think that was addictive towards me, you know, whereas a lot of guys I don't think are able to translate. And that's what I've basically spent the last eight or nine years doing is trying to develop a training system that takes what you do here in the weight room. And basically, that allows you to translate it on the field. And I realized... This and you can see it right away. Yeah, I mean, it, but it's based on this idea of, like, a movement and understanding, when, like, you know, position, posture, and all these things mm-hmm. that I developed in my NFL career that I could reinforce in training. And I talked to people. I and mean, we were, you know, we blew 30 minds this weekend just telling them about foot position. And this mm-hmm. is what posture and position looks yeah, like in yeah, yeah. full range of motion. <laughs> and people don't see, like... Yeah, the like, correlation yeah. to like, pointed out. Yeah, if you're overloading this movement pattern with weight, then you're basically building, mm-hmm. you know, neuromuscular pathways mm-hmm. that are going to become your default. So the default has to become perfect so that all of a sudden I go from call, uh, the uh, closed loop to open loop. You know, the closed loop being the skills we develop, the open loop being, being how I develop and use those skills in relationship to sport. And, you know, we're talking to people about it, and they're like, I never Wait, thought of it like yeah. that. But the the key word, and we presented the seminar, is opportunity. Yeah. So that's, that's the game yeah. is the opportunity to then well, not think about it. It's just I, I had because a, you've um, done the work, right? I, I had, had a great focus uh, on the game. So when when I found out I was having kids, I reached out to all these different people that I know, and I'm sad it and reach out to you. As I'm kind of kicking myself now, but um, I reached out to uh, different people that I knew that were fathers that mm. were uh, successful in other ways, like Stu McGill. Um, you know, we we were buddies, and uh, uh, we had him on the podcast, and we emailed back and forth. And I called him up. I said, "Hey, Doc, I'm uh, I'm having kids, I'm trying to uh, uh, you know think about like you know movement and this." And I was like, "You know, anything that you regretted as a father?" And all of a sudden, he got real quiet. I'm like, "Hello?" He's like, ah, "I'm actually uh, choked up. I'm tearing up right now." and I was like, "Okay, let's talk." And he goes, um, "Yeah, I have a lot of regrets as a father." And I was like. like like what he's like i was too hard on my kids huh really and the crazy thing about this right and we had this amazing conversation he's like uh and then i started talking with different people and the people and then i asked him i was like well what your kids do my son's a lawyer my daughter's a doctor and he's going through this whole thing i started asking different parents and every one of them that had successful kids all made the same thing I was too hard on my kids. So joe successful, yeah. joe So, the crazy part is, and I even asked my dad. My dad's like, you know, I was, I was, uh, I was hard on you guys, and he's like, you know, I, I, you know, when I watched you play in the NFL, I was so proud, and to get to go out, and he goes, I wish I had done more with you guys and been around more, but he's like, you know, I chose to work so your mom could stay at home. Yeah, sure. And he's like, so I worked, you know, 80, 100 hours a week, and wow. like, you know, people ask me all the time, I'm like. I don't remember seeing my dad when I was a kid. On the weekends, he would come and bang on the window. We had to go out and Saturdays work for gardening. So we were like manual labor. And then Sunday, (laughs) we had to wash all the cars. We just had this email 6 (laughs) a.m.
1: How good hard work feels. 6 a.m. My job
2: was that we had to go out and wash the car. And because I was the youngest, I had to clean all the rims because I had small hands. (laughs) So we had to literally wash all the cars and like this whole fucking deal. And uh, but like. That was universal to all these parents that all had successful kids, that all been there. They're like, I was too hard on my kids. Yeah. I demanded so much them, I was so strict. And then the funny part was when I talked to people that are successful, every one of them sells the exact same thing. My parents were hard on me. They, they, they demand a lot. I've never met and then you, you meet people that are um, I mean, you know, hey, I have you know, drugs, alcohol, these different things. And I'm like, and hey, you know what their quote cool the question is? wish my parents were harder. On yeah. Me. I wish they fucking. Truth. I, I wish they Kids,
3: kids like discipline, man. Uh, they, they can fight against it, but they like that. They need structure and discipline. As,
2: yes. As a teacher, I remember that. But, you know, but, but don't you think that's? I mean, Zach, when I listen to a lot of what you tell me. Yep. And I'm, I'm tough on I'm my so kids. I'm so glad I don't own a commercial gym anymore. So I, I uh, sold. I, I owned a gym, and I um, sold my gym because uh, a little piece of me died every day because I wanted it more than the people wanted it. Yeah. Right, and, and it, it got to the point where and I was you were like, taking it home with you. Why is yeah. this guy doing what well? Well, yeah. <laughs> I... Why is he squatting and, well, Why is he doing more squat and, and I would fucking get on people. I'd be like, yeah, you're fucking it. hurting my feelings. Yeah. I'm like, I've talked to you and you don't fucking do it. And people are right. like... It's not that important to me. Yeah. I'm like, well, why the fuck are you here? Why do you want to get sweaty? Yeah. And, and then it's, all of a sudden yeah. I, I was like, I can't do this
3: anymore. Yeah. You can't be around citizens. When you, citizens, uh, when you, you operate on, <laughs> on, yeah. We, yeah, we, yeah, we are not citizens. We call right. civilians. I'm yeah. like, I, I can't be around civilians. When you operate
1: yeah. on a level 10 and then you're hanging around sevens, I always tell, um, the way I equate it is I say to people, I go, what's harder? Um, the most brutal squat workout you had or that argument you had with your girlfriend. Like that argument. I'm like, because emotional stress <clears throat> it will destroy you and you know you guys always joke around you're like butthurt, hurt butter and i remember in, like an earlier uh earlier podcast you said something to the effect of like great now the internet is going to sue me <laughs> you know, we, joke, well, we joked it's like it's that so, so that's where we're at course, you know but people, there's a
2: way different deal like um, people ask me all the time when they go uh who's the best player you ever play against uh, I only remember the struggle and I only remember right. the negatives right, so the I killed. can tell you all like the thousands of plays mm. and the 100 career starts I can only tell you the my losses mm. and I remember the people that got better at me I can't tell you all the great plays and I remember uh, my brother still laughs about this We'd, I'd always call him after the game and he'd, be, uh, like, he'd always call and be like how, how's it going on the bus and I'd always like how'd it look he's like he's like you did pretty good I'm like yeah, yeah I was lucky today and he would always laugh and I remember he's like how is it that you spent an entire career being lucky and catching a dude on his off day. And I'm like, I'm just lucky. Mm-hmm. Like, and he's like...
3: Yeah. yeah, but if you don't say that, then you then you feel like, oh, now I'm satisfied.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, like, I like I I, I I caught a lot of dudes. And yeah. my brother always asks, like, man, I've never yeah, met yeah. anybody that caught so many good players slipping on. <laughs> the, <laughs> the harder you yeah. work,
1: the luckier you get. Yeah. That's what and, I say. And, uh,
2: you know, and it, it was...
0: Coming up, Zach presents an excellent training question about the evolution of your average entry level athlete and kids asking about deloading. What? Oh, and NFL stories for days. I think the takeaway is hit hard and teabag harder. I'll let you figure it out. Those,
2: those deals, whenever people ask me about who, you know, like I, the funny one, and I think I might have told you this, is um, who was the guy that played for Chicago and then played for Dallas? Uh, super crazy dude. You remember uh, what uh defense alignment? Summers uh, uh, <clears> question. <throat> yeah, no, no, uh, not Peppers. Uh, no, he no, no he's uh, a big black dude. Um, he was certifiably crazy. Fifty-one, fifty. Uh, he was in Chicago. Then he went to Dallas, and uh, um, um, fuck, he was a beast. But that? um Summers would know. I, 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 uh, Alonzo Spellman. Oh yeah, Spellman. Spellman. Yeah, Spellman. And uh, um, I don't know. I thought it was Spelman. Yeah, Spelman, Spelman, Spelman. Yeah. Um, so we're playing against him in uh in uh, the Cowboys, and like he was fucking pushing us pretty hard. And I saw him running to the play, and he slowed down, and I fucking dipped, and like uh-huh. fucking tried to like you know knock him out around the pile. And he fucking like fucking went down. He fucking got up, and he punched me in the face and spun, ripped my chin strap, and fucking spun my helmet to where I was looking out the eye hole. <laughs> And I remember like just <laughs> turning around, <laughs> <laughs> and walking back to the huddle and I was like <laughs> Yeah, my fucking chin staff was broken, and I was like, "You know what? I'm never gonna do that one again." But I'm like, "I learned my fucking lesson." I'm like, that "You know," funny. and uh, and then the other one is we were playing uh Redskins, <laughs> punched me. We were playing the Redskins, and uh, they had this big high price free agent, you know, fucking like Redskins always do, and I like this dude like I can't believe they really paid this dude a gazillion dollars, and so uh, it's not Dana Stubblefield or the other guy it was some other dude. And um, so I come out and I meet the guy. The I mean, guy didn't fucking want to play that day. I mean, it was obvious. And so, you know, I see that. I'm a young dude. I'm going to fucking make this dude pay and make him look bad. So all of a sudden the pile's there. I'm fucking driving him, driving driving I'm Fucking throw him over the pile. As he goes over the pile, I dive over the pile and spear him in the ribs. And I fucking get up and I fucking like teabag him.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I think I so, heard the yeah, story. Yeah,
2: so t- like t- that was the fucking <laughs> biggest deal. T- like bag. like you wait as the dude goes to get it You pop up real fast and you just wipe your leg over and fucking wipe your nuts on the helmet <laughs> So the teabag is like, the most disrespectful thing so all of a sudden the dude fucking gets pissed and we're in the huddle and he's he's at the line and he starts uh praying for me god he does not know what he's doing and he starts saying this prayer he's praying for me and trey Trey thomas is next to me he's like dude you better stop this shit that motherfucker's playing with you he's bringing god into this i'm like shut the fuck up you fat motherfucker and i start yelling at trey and Trey's like you need to fucking do it he's fucking praying to you i'm like shut the fuck up and um, and, and you're and, at the I, line. You know, what is no, this happening? we're in the boat. <laughs> oh, okay. Right, so we turn around, and the dude is literally like praying for me. Yeah. He's praying Jesus, he does not do what you know. He does not know what he's doing, and he's like yeah. praying, having this talk with God. And Trey's over there like, "This Well, shut the fuck up." So all of a sudden, the ball snaps. I take a step to go hit the dude. The dude has like you know the power of fucking God commands me. The dude runs through my helmet, My head, goes, <laughs> fucking knocks me down, fucking tackles me, and carry in the back. Uh, of the field. Uh, I'm like fucking play. Trey's like, you better make good with this shit. And he's I'm like, I'm going to shut the fuck up. So we get back up. Same play. Exact same thing, dude. And this time, I didn't put my head out. Like, like, I hit him. And the dude just literally drove me right in the ball carrier. And like, <laughs> she like sleeping dogs alive. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And so all of a sudden, we pumped the ball. And he was like, we're going to have to do this the rest of the day. I'm like, no, we're good. <laughs> I won't make you look bad in other am because I don't want to play this.
0: Oh, and sure oh enough, God. we came
2: over, and I was walking over there. I'm like, "Come on, my baby, come on, my darling!" Like dancing with him like the whole way. I'm like, "I'm not making you look bad. We're all friends. I'm not like, gonna hate you." And I went that out there, and uh, that we we joke and we call that brother-in-law. I'm like, yeah. you brought win this play, you went, yeah, this yeah. The next yeah play. I was like, we were out there just stalemating each other. And oh, I remember being shit. like, I was like, dude, and uh, and everybody's like, what the fuck happened? I'm like dude, fucking, this guy got the power of God behind him. I don't want to fucking anger God anymore. And um, sure enough, that those two plays, I was like, and then I realized if some dude's having a bad day, just let him have a bad day. The last mm-hmm. thing you want to do is fucking go after somebody and make them bow up and pride up mm-hmm. and then fucking come in and give a bad day. And there were other guys, like, and then I, that was a, a great lesson I learned. Mm-hmm. I'd go and like, you know, some days guys don't want to play. And you know what? If they don't want to play, that's fine. I'm not going to make you look bad. Whereas really in my career, I try to like fucking throw them yeah, and yeah. hurt him and do shit. And then the last thing you want to do is get a guy to bow up with surprise and fuck you up and start praying for you.
1: Damn. Praying for God. Dude. Well. He's like, <laughs> Jesus. He doesn't know what he's doing. And I was like, shit. You know on me, I'm like, fuck you. <clears> fuck him. You know. Like, uh, no, I, got, I got a training <laughs> question for you, Jim. Since you've been here since 99 uh-huh. to 2016. Talk about how trainings changed. How you're training the athletes differently, not because you know more, you've been through more, but just because shit is. The kids are just different. For I'm gonna give an example. I feel like if we, you know, you're at we're at Division One school, so you're getting a, a more highly qualified kid who's athletic, but kids are just, you know, I look back at like. I look at kids now and I used to not train them till like 8th grade. Then it became 7th grade, yeah. then 6th grade. I've got kids where I'm like, shit, dude, they were like genetically, they, they fucked their bodies up so much with all this fake food that they eat that like mm-hmm. were so far behind the eight ball that I can't even intervene. If I can't like have them live with me and feed them differently and change their lifestyle, like they're going to be slow, immobile and weak. I want to hear, like, how are you training differently because kids are different. Psychologically, they're different. Physically, they're different. Yeah, I mean,
3: I, I think kids don't want to train as hard or as heavy. As they, as use they to. used to? Because of they have all these other methods that they hear about and that they see on the Internet.
1: So you're saying you want to sue YouTube.
3: <laughs> yeah, really, because they see, oh, well, why aren't we doing suspension training? Or right. why aren't we doing... You know this this with these bands, or why? You know why aren't we doing this? And Dude, or how, yoga, or why aren't we doing yoga now? How much or why is the we...
2: West Side like dynamic band stuff? Like, do you get a question about that a lot? No. Of like, why aren't we doing accommodating resistance? Mm-hmm. Nothing,
3: not at all. No, um, kids aren't. When I was coming, now it's different places though. Now, so In uh, where I always had no scholarship, coaches, scholarship kids, and stuff who had were into lifting and they yep. knew got, they knew like the top power lifters. They know the body. Yes. They knew who in the NFL was really yeah. strong. That's right. That kind of stuff. That's true. Um, not so much anymore. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's uh, you would think of it the other way around with more information out there, but it's, it's almost not. too much. Okay. And then a lot mm-hmm. of the parents are more involved with ideas. And some of the parents. Have so they call you up? Like. No, they don't call me up. But it's they more like uh, I couldn't imagine. A they have so they have personal the trainers. And no, I've never talked to parents. <laughs> I talked to parents at <laughs> the games. And stuff. Hey,
2: Coach Steele, I had this idea. I saw this on YouTube. What do you think about incorporating this training? You're like, click. Oh, I'm totally fluey, correct. <laughs> um, well, somebody was we saying we have three uh, people to listen to this podcast. Yeah, they were.
1: They were like, dude. How come I never tell the football coach how to run these plays or the wrestling coach how to do this? But they're they're always telling they're always telling me we don't let uh, parents allowed in the gym, ever, and that shit makes things a lot better. Yeah. But uh, yeah, kid, you know I'm not going to mention his name, but he goes, you know, my best football players was back in the day when the quarterback would train with the lineman. I saw Boomer
3: Scienceon. And- he would At the power University of Maryland, doing
1: behind the necks. Yeah. Could mm-hmm. you
3: imagine a, a top round so, draft
1: pick or he was an All American doing seated behind the necks? So man. here's the question no G, right? So back, I'm going to say back in the day, that was a lot of stuff that was invoked. We benched. We didn't have seated bars. We, did a lot we didn't of have, yeah. Back. We didn't have Swiss bars. We didn't have yeah. any of that shit. Right. Were kids all fucked up with shoulders? This that back in the early late nineties, early two. Listen, I always so tell a story. The we
3: would have one guy on. blow out a knee. Yeah, when I was in college, one guy blow out a knee. You just wouldn't see him again. So what's going that was on? it?
1: Well, I <laughs> one guy so, would have so, a. Uh, yeah, I don't I'm matter. trying to wrap my head around <laughs> well, this that we train smarter. We so, I don't know if we're eating. We we supposedly have better training, better prepared. But back when I was in high school, nobody was like. Dude, I have to get Tommy John, or my shoulders torn, my knee. Yeah. You never heard that. I hear a lot of high school kids, a lot, almost every college athlete I work with has had a meniscus, which mm. is nothing crazy, but a lot of just issues. I had shit well, going and, and on the, you
3: know my... they diagnose them a lot better now too. Well,
1: get MRIs, well, you know. Yeah, stuff well, they that... get MRIs, or every kid that I work with, like his doctor says the same shit. Um, you've got uh, Oshgood I'm like uh, that's, that's bullshit. I know, I wanna say, did your doctor say like show me good. a body weight squat? Yeah. yeah, so your knee when you yeah. were kneeling. I was like, damn, I wonder if you kids
3: will say I had Osgood Slaughters, I saw squat at eight twenty.
1: Yeah, like yeah. So
3: yeah. you just and we're I I, I feel
2: like I ruptured Patellar tendon. and now
1: don't out on the field? Stadium, but first, but I still came back to play yeah, so, it's, so what um you know, this one coach he goes, Man, my best players were the, when the quarterback would be like yeah fucking I'll bench with these guys I'll power clean 315 It was Amen. now the court quor- now the quarterback's like well you know during winter workouts I'm going to go to my guy and we're going to do our speed ladders and shit I watched shit. a
3: video of of Stallback doing <clears throat> snatches the other day who Roger Stallback
1: who's that I don't the follow the quarterback sports and a quarterback, that I'm
3: the quarterback dude, from wait he's, he's like uh, I'm the I don't I don't so Stallback like, like fucking I like Roger Stallback Roger you know? No, so he was a quarterback for the Cowboys from uh, 70 or 670 to uh, 79 he was Tom Landry's good guy yeah, yeah. doing, doing the,
0: power, the original power and he went to the Naval Academy
3: and would take his leave to come to training camp nice yeah and uh so he was just a bad tough Captain America they call him but yeah he would do everything that everybody else did and the other day Bob Ward who was like one of the the original strength coaches in the NFL yep. he's the one who brought martial arts in he brought those obstacle courses where you react, react to lights and things like yep. that he brought overspeed training all that stuff is Bob Ward he doesn't get any credit um yeah, he had Stallback out there. He had, they always had their weights outside, you know. And and uh, he has That's a video awesome. on his YouTube of Stallback doing snap. Not the greatest form in the world, but, man, I'm so impressed because I'm thinking today, guys would say, my shoulders. Right. What, you know, what am I going to do? am going to Do yeah. you
1: think it's, um, I look at it like this. So, football, they don't really get to play it as much year-round, but like every other sport. So... You got uh, here, we've obviously got wrestling, tennis, mm. baseball. So, if uh, back in the day you'd play baseball just in the spring. Mm. So, let's say you started playing baseball at age eight. By that's time, one thing that's changed. By baseball the time you're 16, you've had seven or eight seasons of mm. baseball. But today, you've had, uh, if you start at age eight and then you're 16, you've had three seasons because you've got. The actual spring season, you've got summer league, you've got fall. Travel. So now you've Red. tripled your mileage. You've got, yeah, like, dog years on your body.
3: Yeah, you gotta, you got to play all the sports. I think sometimes you special, when you let them, you,
1: you let the kids team know. Oh, my yeah, God, you they let, have a
3: batting coach. They have a pitching coach. They <laughs> they, they, yeah, it's too
1: much. Right. It's too much, If you man. let the kids play, know, know about play. shit, they take it. Meaning, I remember I, had a, I was training a kid, and he was doing, like, a preseason. It was called, like, an all-star match. I think we were training on a Tuesday. He's like, should we deload? I go, deload for what? He goes, I got all-star match Saturday. I go, how many matches? One match. I go, it's fucking Tuesday and it's not even a full match. It's like not even full periods. We're not deloading. And, uh, I feel that that's why I'm so big with the Dude, psychology of, all, of shit. I got rid
2: of the term deload and I fucking hate Jim right, for it. <laughs> I, I like first Jim, I remember I told him, I'm like, hey, fuck you and your deload. He's like, why? I'm like, no, nah, it's not a deload, it's a reload.
1: Reload or a,
2: I won't use the term deload and like, what am I going I'm like, no, 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 we don't deload, we reload. And uh and then and then I got an email the other day from this guy who was like, Can you point me at any uh um what was any articles or any uh, uh like peer reviewed studies about deloading or re-? I was like, I basically sent so, this guy back and I was like, are, are you fucking serious?
1: Here's my thing like, with that. Do you believe
2: that anybody has done any form of like 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 peer peer reviewed double blind studies on the efficacy of actually taking a load week. Right. Here's I'm like I'm
3: doing 40%. I, I, I was like
2: Yeah. <laughs> Here's what I oh, was your like Max. <laughs> doing 40%. But but you know if you do 40 you're okay, but if you do 50, it's- 50. oh yeah. yeah, too much. Yeah. You can't recover from that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I- <laughs> i used to be I super seals, uh can't recover right i used to i say that yeah. too and it's gonna to mess up your multi-year template six years that's right. You're gonna be like why did macro take micro deal? and all yeah. that?
3: It's going yeah. Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah, nice
1: i used to be very regimented i would do three weeks hard then i'd be like okay this week we're gonna like just go kettlebells oh, bodyweight okay. and i remember this a football player um on like this middle of the week he's like coach man i just gotta go heavy I, I got to go heavy. And uh, I was like, no, nah, we're, we're deloading this week. <laughs> like, we're, we're deloading. But I remember them, they came back fired up. But then, through the years, things changed in a way of, I was like, I don't need to deload because this kid never destroys the life gym. Life will deload you. Yeah, he's thank never, <coughs> he's never destroying you. the yeah, gym in you. such yeah. a way. Thank you for saying that. I'm like, life throws you deloads. Right. Yeah. So th- I'm thinking to myself, I don't need to deload this kid. because he- I got to write it in? Right. He's never destroying the but, gym so hard. Or she, here's the other thing. Like, like, if if you're all
2: design training in such a way to <coughs> like inherent periodization, which is like rep maxes, what I found is that uh, as long as you're pushing the envelope, you know, you're not as strong as you are every single day. But as long as I'm kind of pushing within the bounds, and we figured out that, like, you know, doing rep max is almost getting away from percentages and basing your yep. percentages off of your rep max, mm-hmm. like what you're able to do that on that
1: specific day. Mm-hmm. Right, every day's really different. Yeah. But, but it's, uh, it's, Prilpin's chart, right? It says like these are uh, optimal. Uh, no, no. I just want to say this, right? So you, everybody's uh, like, do Prilpin's chart. I'm like, problem is, is, well, is you're not optimally. Well, that kid's well, not really but, optimally but you, but you kicking remember, ass at that. You got to remember where Prilpens chart from highly qualified weightlifters. Yeah, it was right. But you also got to remember
2: that that took a huge cross section I mean it was a massive amount of lifters uh, in you know eastern block type stuff so then you got to realize that those guys were probably on drugs and they were timing the lifts and they basically found those based off of speed so that you know if a guy lifted eight reps they knew that or they viewed that those reps fit within their parameters or whether it was useful so I read the whole history on that thing and I was like
1: it's okay. for highly qualified lifters and I remember hanging out with Louis. I'm like Louis,
2: you're talking about pro bench chart how come it's a 4 to 10 and he's like well you're on, he goes, if you're on a lot of tests, you have a higher check, central yeah. nervous system efficiency, you, you get reps. four reps. And I was like, So, what do I get? He's like, You get 10 reps. And I was like, So, those guys that are on the you know, three grams a week, they get four reps, but I get 10 why because yeah. they're outputting more per because rep. The higher your antigen profile, the more yeah. testosterone you have, the more efficient your nervous system, which <clears> means <throat> that they get more out of less. Their four reps are just leave 100% recruitment he's like how much uh, how many motor units are you recruiting and I was like I don't know he's like so that a non-geared lifter a a drug free lifter needs more volume than the geared lifter which is the exact opposite of what everybody which is the exact opposite of what everybody everybody thinks that when you're on drugs you can handle more volume Mm -hmm. It's not true. It's the intent. It's, it's like, because they are able to do more with less. Mm. And so it was, uh, and I remember Louie. Uh,
1: more with less. With they're putting more intensity into less. Is so this
2: podcast with Joe Rogan? No, I did not to it yet. <laughs> he is crazy.
3: Dude, but Louis, is. I just saw. I, I was I telling Louis. you about. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, um, I do too. He's so cool to me when I call him. He's yeah. yeah. so cool. So, it wound so so up I, being um, more
1: about drugs than it was about training, unfortunately. Well, that's oh,
3: unfortunate. But,
1: uh, with Joe Rogan. Yeah, so it should have been more about training. Joe Rogan and
2: Louie. So my, my West Side Story is uh, my buddy uh, Kevin Doherty had uh, West Side Videos, and we were all trying to bench like 500 pounds in college, and so we're watching the, fucking the VHS, VHS tapes. Yeah, yeah. At the end, <laughs> when Dave Tate was in them, yeah. At the end, there was a phone number that we would put up. Yes, say, hey, you call. Know, you know, he will call you back. And then, so I pick up the phone, and I call Louis Simmons, and he picks up. Hey, this is. You know, hey, what's happening? What's Side barbell I no, was like, West Side. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> like, West Side is uh, Louie there? He's like, Yeah, this is Lou. Or Doris would answer. No, a like, lot. Louis Woo! answered. I swear to God. And he goes. Uh, uh, I was like, "Hey, uh, uh, i play playing uh, football at uh, Cal Berkeley. I'm trying to bench 500 pounds. Okay. Uh, what are you doing for your training?" So I take him through. He fucking writes me a program. Yeah, right over the phone. I want you to do this and this and you know heavy dumbbells and you got to have you know uh, what's heavy dumbbells we got. I'm like, "Well, we got 175." Oh, okay. You'll, you'll hit it. I want you to do this, this, and he goes through. and He takes me this whole thing. Wow. There was no uh, combating resistance. I want you to do that, that dynamic work, and I want you to base the dynamic work. Off of whatever your percentages were for that day, and we went through this whole thing. And it wasn't any, it, it wasn't max effort in terms of singles, it was like, I want you to hit fives, I want you to hit fours, threes. Uh, max Games. effort three, max yeah. effort five. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it was rep maxes, mm-hmm. and then I want you to base it, I want you to start at 50. I like that, a max triple, I love yeah. that. I like I mean, that. And, two, and, five, and that program, I mean, it's the shit we use all the time for all my children. um and so we go through it. It was assistance worker dumbbells. I want you to hit a bunch of fucking hammer curls, a bunch of yep. triceps. I want you to do basics. And he was like, "Basic do do shit." And he's like, "Do you do pull-ups?" I'm like, "Yeah." He's like, "He's like, uh, what's your best pull-up?" I'm like, "I can do this." He's like, "But you could do ten with ninety pounds between your waist on the dead pull-ups." He goes, "You'll bench 500. Sure enough, I did ten reps of ninety pounds, <laughs> and I bench five hundred pounds. Yeah, he and was so dialed in with he, the numbers. Dude, he, he it was crazy. He's like so, a
1: beautiful mind for oh, weightlifting.
2: So, so then years <laughs> later we go out to Westside Barbell and I to yeah. meet him and we're talking I'm like I, I know you don't remember this and I tell him the story and he's like fuck he goes I think I re-. And and uh, he's like uh, it was upsetting to him that he didn't remember because I mean you know because he usually remembers all this shit mm-hmm. and then um, so we had like a great time and hung out and then he was uh, and then I went back and, and I, I've been back a couple times but the most recent time when we went back last year we like walked in and Louis was like holding court there was all these people and he sees me and he's like comes over and gives me a hug and we're like you know talking and he's like uh tells people the story and i don't know you remember the story no well he told people the story i was like i thought you didn't remember he like, well, i remember that actually told oh uh, yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and so we went through the whole thing i mean but um,
1: he yeah. changed my mind with shooter. training he i used to call him when i was a teacher and i'd call him on my prep once a week and he got me away from thinking <clears throat> just sets just reps he would talk about training Kevin Randleman. Well, he what, he, he what talked hit, about tonnage volume over the course of a yeah, big amount of time. What hit me the most was he spoke about he was training like three or four wrestlers that were in the lightest weight classes, which was at the time 103 and 112. And he was talking about how the one kid who weighed like 106 benched 205. And I'm like, shit, I got a kid who weighs 185 who could barely bench 205. Mm-hmm. And then he would talk about. Uh, I get them out I do the max effort Then they'll slam Medicine balls For five yeah. minutes nonstop, so Or they'll drag A sled for security. second he Here's got some me hilarious thing.
2: Uh, When we were different. out there not, right. not, not to cut you off But when we went out There last time Still uh, gonna cut you off All of a sudden Dude And, and <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm gonna cut you off On this med ball thing Because I wanna fucking Get this in Because we get in The, the Charlie
1: Francis Med the ball The Charlie Francis
2: I called this shit out On that So we were over there And I'm watching He's got this track girl and he's like telling me about this track girl and I'm watching it and I was like, I was like, Louie, you, uh, you know, uh, are you fucking doing all the Charlie Francis med ball shit? Because, I mean, I'm a Charlie Francis guy. I mean, oh. that's how I found the EMS and I know all that shit. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Louie like looks over me and he gives me that smile and he's like, you know, like gives you that smile and goes on and keeps talking and he's like talking about the med ball. I mean, dude, he's a Charlie Francis guy. I mean, well, the GPP med ball shit, all the throws. And then I start rapping with the girl, and she's like, oh, yeah, Louie has me doing, you know, three to 500 throws a, a day, and he's like, talking about the volume. Wow, it's exactly.
1: Three, the That's Charlie awesome. Francis shit. So, so what, you know, with Charlie, he would be. What about the guy who invented, not invented, whatever. What's those uh, med balls? Uh, the Dynamax. So I remember calling him years ago uh, and he said yeah no oh, it's no, just, no, it's just it's the the light balls. But, but but that was all the charlie francis DVD he was med ball stuff. he was training he told me he goes when i train the nfl guys i don't go heavier than like the six pound ball yeah he goes crossfit yep. started this 20 pound ball he goes we he goes we use the four pound ball the most all the throwing there's whoa, whoa, was
2: whoa. a because you want speed Right. That's yeah. what people An old up. Like, video. Like, we use a 12 yeah. pound at, uh, when we, we train, we get home for 12 all we have. Shit, his well, name it's was... all we have, but if we, if we had lighter balls, we would use he it abs, because absolutely. the speed partner which throwing. you can throw, if you do partner throws, you throw them, but then they come back and forth. And you he had
1: them, them walking. Man, there was a video before. He had a lot of. Record. I don't even know he had. You, yeah, he it was, had a it, video. Was like
2: the, they started at 100 and they loaded
1: what up. What were those balls called? Dynamax. Dynamax. So he had a video on his site where he was taking a track athlete i'm not sure what uh if he was a runner or jumper but uh the guy was doing you know all the from sitting down lateral throws but he had him walking moving he was throwing the ball from his feet so he's working like hip flexors and it was this back and forth going and uh, i was like amazing I, i mean i remember speaking to him before i even owned a gym so it was probably 11 12 years ago well but what what we always
2: like is the fact that you have
1: all these different you know planes
2: of motion like you can do transverse plane and all these different throws and you get all these you know different things which people never do mm-hmm. especially in the crossfit shit, where everybody is like sagittal plane you know bilateral hip hinge now you're having a situation where you're having people throw and they're here and they're tossing in different ways mm-hmm. and it's fucking great for conditioning But yeah. I mean
0: in this last segment, Jim Steele discusses adding Muay Thai to his lacrosse programs to train transverse and rotational movements. Impressive and unique GPP coming out of this 20-year coach is not surprising in the least.
1: And we talked about uh, combining different sports, and you took us through a tour of the gym, you showed us, like, Muay movie room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's almost like uh, the GPP med ball, but you are moving through all planes of motion, and now we're getting our legs involved, attacking the... Uh, back yeah so kind of walk us through i guess your approach <laughs> to adding muay thai to lacrosse players wrestlers
3: well the lacrosse case. is a rotational sport right yeah so you can do the med ball stuff or you can go out there and do you know the the roundhouse kicks and you can do the the boxing stuff and it's so have you been doing that since 99 oh I, so I stole it from the cowboys so my <laughs> idol randy white <laughs> did it in the Although the when he went to the Cowboys in the 80s, in the early 80s, I Bob Ward was doing it with them, and he used to bring out uh, Bruce Lee disciple guys. Um, and the one guy. Uh, oh,
2: was s- it uh, Santo? He's
3: still alive, no. Uh, uh, Dan is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Dan it's is- Yeah. 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 Uh, dude, it's I,
2: uh, Rafael Ruiz, who's uh, the guy that trained me in the NFL, my, you know, one of my best friends, we uh, he's a, a Filipino, and okay. does uh, Screamer, uh, you know, and all the uh-huh. Filipino combat systems. Um, so we got, what? <laughs> I'm just having flashbacks Oh, well, Rob is uh, he's fucking crazy I, I love him like a brother uh, we got to go to this like martial arts deal and uh, uh, they had Sato there and uh, he did like the one inch punch and like you know like it, it was he's fucking old but like yeah. he still knocked this motherfucker to the ground really but it was great to see because it was all like this fucking
1: hip extension yeah you know it was cool it's oh came from, from the so. hips oh, yeah. I just feel like that Muay Thai stuff you teach gets some of them to get Fucking pissed off a little bit and get. I feel like some people are, they're nice in the way of coaches nowadays get fired well, if they a kid.
3: You can tell right away who has played only one sport. Yep. And who has played a bunch so of sports. So you're building athleticism. first time you see them punch, yeah. oh, yeah. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You take an offensive lineman who has never, you could tell, never played basketball. I, I know you've never played basketball. You know, the way they move and the way they go laterally or even back up when somebody's coming at them with the mitts, you could tell right away. You know, they need that stuff. Um, I think, number one, it's another—it's hand-eye coordination stuff, especially with the mitt. The, the heavy bag's okay, but I would rather guys partner up and do the focus mitts. And the thing about that is the person who's holding the mitts is the most important person you got to be totally locked in yeah. to what this guy's doing <clears throat> and you got to be totally focused and you have to make, it's like, you know, we to say in football, uh, give them a good look. You got to give them a good look. Right. And that means you got to be right there with them, whatever they do, you know? Um, and so you don't get a break, you know? Um, but it's a hand, eye coordination. The conditioning is unreal. I mean, I used to, you know, I've trained with some, I have a pro fighter who used to train me and he used to beat the crap out of me. And, uh, you know, he'd say, okay, now we're going to start off with jump rope, and it's three, five-minute rounds It's the first thing you do. I was done. That's it. Three, five-minute rounds of jump rope, and you've never told I was done. Now, then you do the mitts, then you spar, then you do all this stuff. I mean, it's brutally hard. So mentally, it gets you ready to do any sport that you want to do. And even if it's not quite in the energy system you're going to play, and it crosses over enough where guys are like, wow, that's, that's really I'm getting me in shape for what I'm going to do. I used
2: to fight with the uh, Cal boxing team. You know, the Boxing, same thing. Yeah. Yeah.
3: And unbelievable so just, and just, when a guy's coming at
2: you your stress level goes through the roof well i mean it was probably wide because i learned how to cut out no things. question and so when i boxed when i was younger that ability to cut off a dude in a room in a ring but also how to square up your body and then you know like never square a dude up two thirds and you take right. shots and then the hand stuff i mean all
3: and, and, that. It, and it teaches you distance yeah mm-hmm. it teaches you how to judge distance the first time i sparred i was like you know i had been in some street fights and stuff and so you're just going crazy when you're street fighting you don't even think about this then when you get in the ring you're like
2: how do I reach him <laughs> how do yeah. I what, what or, how do I get to his left and how do, how do I well, you gotta learn you how to cut dudes off which is a yeah. line play you gotta put your body between him and there and how you cut right. the guys off yeah. and, but, and how you move and slide and that's, push, that's and push and yeah. lacrosse especially it's, it's all about me.
3: right cause you got a lacrosse background and you know that yes, yes.
2: boy I, I always think uh, um, you watch like when we tell you guys how they generate force and <laughs> I always laugh when I see the crossfit with like the the, the kipping pull up is like, Circle the, pull. is like the kick of Muay Thai when you watch those dudes spin and they generate so much force this way. And I always joke, I'm like, oh, it's like a Muay Thai kick, but in the air of the
3: My favorite story is I was uh, training with this guy. I mean, he's he's a badass, certified but badass. And uh, he wouldn't come out of the office while I was warming up or whatever. And then he'd come out. So one day he says, we're going to spar. And so I said, oh, do I need my shin guards? And all that stuff. Yeah. He'll, you know, it's mouthpiece, don't worry about it. He comes out of the office, shin guards, fucking <laughs> <like laughs> mouthpiece. He's, he's covered up, kicks the. if you ever been kicked by a pro fighter right above your knee? I was like, I, I got shot. I thought I got shot. I've never. <laughs> and then when he. And then I realized later, when he kicked the bag, it was like a gunshot going off. He kicked it so hard. And you're so amazed by how much force he can generate in, in six inches. It's just like that little, that hip snap, you know? And I was like, that's why it's so good for. Him. Sure. You know, so good but yeah he would just come out and beat the crap out of me but uh, you learn a lot that way yeah.
0: now it's time to empower your performance like what you've heard so far then you'll love tuning into zach's continued conversation with jim Steele on his strong life podcast episode 100 it's linked in our show notes also an excellent synopsis of the lessons learned during this recording can be found on zach's website An article titled 12 Things I Learned on a never-ending podcast with John Wellborn and Jim Steele is linked to this blog post. This year's Power Athlete Symposium is now open to the public for the first time. If you haven't heard of this annual Knowledge Fest, it's basically the most badass three days spent in SoCal. Rub elbows with fellow Power Athletes and soak up the wisdom from guest speakers like Rob Wolf, Andy Stumpf, Aaron Ausmus, and Brad Snyder. Of course, you can expect that the Power Athlete crew will also be leading the weekend with the latest and greatest out of HQ. Registration can be found at powerathletehq.com symposium and closes on November 23rd. Hope to see you there and until next time.